Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Sex Cells podcast. A comedian joins a relationship therapist to talk about all things gender, sex, dating, romance related. Eliza, how are you going? Good, good. I was just having a little reflection actually on our last podcast about, we're talking about like the psychology of people getting into cults and like marketing psychology. Uh-huh. And I was just thinking about you and wondering like how much research have you or do like comedians do in in looking into, you know, like winning over a crowd or working a crowd? Or is that something that you just don't really think about? Yeah, not a lot, even though it would probably help us, but- we seem to just naturally develop that skill without being taught uh, or uh, being led a certain way as to how to best build a rapport with the crowd because we we deal with such different crowds, you know, 20 people in a um, working class pub versus uh, hundreds of people at a Mm theatre. It's going to be very different skills that you need to uh, appeal to those different audiences. But... No, we, we actually would benefit from listening to some of the uh, knowledge about public speaking and um, engaging yeah. a crowd. But I would have thought you'd be all over that. No. Like, but then again, not that you, you like, not for you, but like other um, comedians that kind of sometimes shy and awkward act works in their favor. So it's almost it benefiting can. them not to work a crowd with charisma and charm that's very true yeah because charm and charisma are not always what you need if you're a comedian you want to work on things like timing delivery stage presence your character more often than not you you want to be charismatic in some way but it's it's a bit more nuanced and complicated than that very interesting Mm, we're not exactly politicians there's a huge crossover in necessary skills but Mm. charisma can only be a good thing for a politician whereas depending on your act as a comedian it may not necessarily be essential yeah yeah so comedy is the one art form where there's no there's not a lot of uh uh structure or knowledge as to you know how to perform how best to engage a crowd. There's not a That's lot of good. resources That's good. It's authentic. That's great. Yeah, it's there's... like actual just humor. Exactly. That's it. I'm putting out humor to the crowd. There's and... no stand-up comedy degree or TAFE course, right? Whereas with all the other arts, there, you know, mm. there's, there's singing courses. There's There are comedy courses. Oh, if there's ever a cult, stand-up comedy <laughs> courses, never do them. It's the worst what? comedians that run them. Never do really? them. Never do them. I am telling you right now, they are all a scam. Why? Because they, it, the comedians that do those courses are not good comedians. Oh. And they, all they do is they're like, all right, show me your act. And then they say, all right, change this, change that. And oh. look, if they were offering a course that was just basic stage presence and, and mic, look, there's certain things like mic technique and that, but that's once you've done that for a few, once you've gotten up there a few times you start to realize what that's about and i think maybe in the 80s and 90s when comedy was a bit more sort of structured and um it was it was it was there was less of the sort of avant-garde and absurdist comedy that you see nowadays uh or you know you could call a postmodern comedy in a way then there was maybe more resources and teaching that was occurring between mm. the older comedians and the younger comedians i know some are 
some advice I did get when I was really young was uh, if you want to bring up, if you want to build a little bit of a rapport with a cold audience, if you're bringing up a certain topic, and also if you're nervous about crowd work, because crowd work, when you start off doing comedy, you, you look at the comedians that can just come up with lines on the spot and mm. and, and uh, mix with the crowd and just be funny, and you think, my God, is that a skill? But once you're a few years into it, you realize, eh, crowd work, it's not that good. Like, good comedy is better, than, it's harder to do than just good crowd work. Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, there's some great crowd work comedians out there, but mm. there's this, the ceiling for quality is a lot lower than, say, the ceiling for stand-up. But a good technique is um, if you're not comfortable talking to the audience, which I wasn't at the start, is you don't want to try to sort of pick on the audience or um, uh, obtain any quips from talking to them. But what you want to do is say if you're going to do a joke about um, relationships. You just ask the audience, okay, who is in a relationship? Yeah. Um, you are, okay, how long have you been in that relationship? Cool. Well, you know, I've been in this relationship for blah, 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 and then get into right. the joke. yeah. So that's a good technique uh, that really helped me because I could not talk to the crowd and then, you know, there's no pressure about trying to be funny. You're just leading into a joke. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure that would work in any other public speaking environment. If yeah. If you're going to talk about certain product you can ask hey who's used this other competitor product have you used this before oh okay well i'm here to talk about yeah so it just helps with being personable and is it a thing so before we change yeah that's all good now that it's on my mind when i used to go to um excuse me comedy shows every week with an ex-boyfriend and we always used to sit in the front row because i would find it funny because he always got roasted but not (laughs) once did i ever get picked on or roasted but it was always him is that a thing to do it to the males and not the females no ah that's weird really yeah it was so common it wasn't just the one comedian it was no like all the time because we used to go like once or twice a week no i mean maybe a male comedian might be more likely to pick on the guy because it's a bit sort of chummy and Broy and yeah, he might be a bit more tentative picking on the girl, but I don't know. I I'll pick on anyone. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you include them all. <laughs> yes. I will roast you all. Good. Yes, I I'm like a, that. I'm a, I'm a feminist with my well uh, done criticisms of the crowd. You know, I'll attack everyone equally. <laughs> good. Oh, good on you. <laughs> <laughs> well, sit in the front row and see if you still like it. Um, no, I'm not. No, I don't like the comedians that are just unnecessarily mean. I like to sort of joke around and make fun. If people, this is a good tip. If you're going to be in a crowd in in comedy and and you're worried about the comedian talking to you, the more awkward you are and the more you're less likely to answer questions and not answer properly, they're going to make fun of you They will jump on you. because, Because you're going to say something stupid or you're not going to say something fully and then... It's really easy because when you have the mic, you're basically in the sort of position of authority and, mm. you know, everyone's on your side. So someone can just stumble and you can just be like, what, what did you do? Like you could just, you don't even have to make a joke. You can just sort of um, reiterate their uh, foible yeah. and, and then it becomes funny, right? Hmm. Good yeah. segue question. Yeah. I wonder if what I'm just realising is that I've never seen a comedian pick out like, an Asian from the crowd or like someone from the cold community and kind of give the them col- a little roasting, like culturally and linguistically diverse. Sorry. Um, I've never heard that. <laughs> so that was culturally my work lingo. and linguistically di- diverse. Cult, C-A-L-D. Yeah. Okay. Um, sorry, a little speaking in acronyms, that's helpful. Um, but I've never seen a comedian 
pick out maybe a culturally diverse person and I wonder if that's intentional. Um, Because you don't want to just be like, I'm going to pick like, you know, in a room of 90 white people and then pick one Asian person or something and then just roast that person. Like, will that look well, bad? Well, maybe some white comedians who are more um, careful about what they're saying will will do that. Unless you're Neil, who will attack everyone I'll, for I'm, any. <laughs> I was going up after these Muslims in the front row last week because they were drinking and I was like, come on, man. <laughs> Allah won't be happy. Did they like it? <laughs> yeah, they were loving it. Because that's, yeah, like a lot of people who come to these, especially, you know what you're going to get if you come to my show. Yeah. You can't be there being like, oh, how dare you make that cultural joke. <laughs> um, they're happy to get on board and they're happy to be included as part of yeah. the, the... Andrew Schultz is, is the best in the world at this. He will pick on it and he knows so much about different races and, you know, it's not done in this apologetic way or only attacking white people at all it's it's he goes after everyone he goes after black people latinos indians mm. asians and he knows that the nuance nuances between each of the different asian countries he is oh, if, yeah. if you don't know him look him up andrew schultz brilliant schultz. comedian he's one of the best in the world right now and he's done it all through the internet and he, he's he's a, oh wow he's masterful uh actually look he is one that is a he's the best at crowd work i've not seen anyone who's better at crowd work than he is He's, he's a genius. Okay, well, I'm going to look up Andrew Schultz. S-H-U-L-Z. Okay. Um, Thank you. He's, uh, well, some people would call him politically incorrect or whatever. But, I mean, nowadays all, a lot of comedy is considered Everyone's politically Everyone's a little bit so. politically incorrect. He, uh, I don't know what, I think he looks white. I don't, I don't know what he, he could be European or something. But he, he what's so good about him is he, he goes after the all the race, but... He does in a way that's clever because he knows so much about the different cultures, whereas some of the older comedians will, you know, go after just your classic stereotypes, which is fine. Like no one, again, if you go to a comedy show, you can't, and, you know, you're the Indian and you get a taxi joke or something, you can't get too upset about it. But Andrew will go into, you know, the differences between Punjabis and Gujaratis and and arrange them. And it's, it, it's wow. just like, dude, how do you know this? That's insane. Educator man. Yeah. And funny. Yeah. He's, <laughs> he's really good. Um, but that is a good segue because today we're talking about uh, racial preferences in dating and racial disparities in the, on, particularly the online dating world, in the online yes. dating era. And this is a request I've been getting for weeks. And I hadn't done it because I wanted to do it justice. But look, it's just been so requested that I have to do it. And is there a certain type of person that is requesting it? Like, is it males? Is it yeah, white males? Or generally, uh, cold males. If yeah. you, I, don't, I don't like any of those like POC <laughs> cold. I, look, they're just just brown guys usually. Cultured, <laughs> yeah, ethnic, non-white males, if yeah. you will. Um, so, look. There are racial disparities in uh, dating choice and dating mm. selection, and there are certain races that, on average, this doesn't mean you know if if you're part of this uh, you know, privileged dating group that you're just going to get matched willy nilly all the time. But on average, uh, there are different races that are uh, chosen more and yes. perceived as more attractive. And broadly speaking, from the research I have seen. 
when it comes to men, and and this is in heterosexual dating, but I'm pretty sure even when they it did applies, this in, yeah, yeah. It, it also was very applicable. If anything, gay men were worse. They the disparities were enhanced. Yeah. Um. So with men, uh, white men are the most selected for. Um. <laughs> no, no surprises there. Mm. Um. And the then sort of black were usually second. And at the bottom was your, you know, Indian and Asian men. Yeah. Um, and then with women, it was sort of Asian. Some studies said Asian women. Some studies said white, white women. Yeah. So those two were the sort of you could say were tied at the top, and then usually you had black women at the at yeah. the bottom. Um, now I want to have this conversation. The first thing I want to say is that. This should you shouldn't use this as an excuse, and I know I was led down that path, especially when I was younger. And my justification, if I ever got rejected or if I didn't get a match, was always, "Well, if I was white, I, you'd date me or you'd hook mm. up with me or whatever." And look, at the end of the day, women are not going to pity date you, and same with men. Men are not going to pity date you. Okay, so you can't let it consume your life and and build up so much resentment within you. I know it is going to be hard for certain people though. And some of these disparities are really depressing. Yeah, well, they're they're um, upsetting, but namely because we're so upset about other disparities in, say, in the economic world or in politics, or you know, if there isn't exactly fifty-fifty men and women in certain industries, or if there isn't equal representation and diverse faces on film and TV, people kick up a stink, mm. but. When it comes to dating and, and relationships and, and love, which is in arguably more important to people, you know, no one really looks into that because, well, what do you do really? I mean, you can shame people if they're only choosing white people, but I mean, there's so many variables at play here, right? Because most of the Western countries are still majority white. So I guess the sort of higher tier, if you will, of white people are going to be on average better than the higher tier of the other races just because of the numbers, right? Yeah. And also um, dependent on which city you live in, you mm. could be in a very diverse area, could be in a very homogenous area. And I'm not saying just white. You could be in suburbs, especially Sydney, right? There are suburbs that are just uh, Chinese or just Lebanese, so I wouldn't exactly call that multicultural. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to sort of explore and unpack this and mm. um, figure out how we can think about it more so than what we can do about it because I've been thinking about it for, you know, so much of my early comedy was about this and how Indian guys and all that sort of stuff. Mm. And people always laugh at that, right? So there's a innate truth that we all it's realize knowing, yeah yeah um how we can best uh take that knowledge and take the understanding that those disparities exist and and equip ourselves with the confidence and the um fortitude to move past that yeah because i don't think we can ever get to this world where you know everyone gets chosen equally and we could probably improve it, and I'm sure things like beauty standards and representation on TV uh, um, play a role in that. But then you sort of have to ask, well, how do we are we then sort of forcing that equal representation to the detriment of 
a meritocracy, even though, you know, with something like TV and film, how meritocratic is it really? But um, I think, you know, trying to f- force equity in any industry really, and I wouldn't call dating an industry, but in something as sort of intrinsic and visceral as uh, lust and, and sex and dating, you know, it, it, you're going to do more harm than good mm. in trying to force something like that. And yeah. I come back to what I said earlier, which is that, look, at the end of the day, no one, and I mean no one, is ever going to pity date you. So if you're going to um, have the woe is me mentality with dating, you you are kicking yourself in the foot there. Now, again, I, I do understand that it can be really debilitating and you can feel so powerless and 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 depressed when you know, no one is matching you, no one seems to want to go on a date with you, no one is even seems to be looking at you or is interested in you in a sexual way. Um, so I do, look, I understand both sides of the um, spectrum here, if you will. Mm. Uh, but, yeah, it's something that would be worth talking about. But anyway, I might just sit on some of those and, and see which angle I want to go with further. What, what are your thoughts on um, well, I think those it's, disparities? It's an interesting question. Is it is it racist to have racial preferences? But then also why do we have racial preferences that are – um, and why are they so kind of embedded in us? So I was watching this show. I've, I've already forgotten it, um, and it was I was watching it today. But I'll send it to you so you can link it. And it was about they brought in a study of people who were just singles, um, and they never ta- mentioned anything about race. So they was they brought these people in around our age, and they were like, let's. Um, we just want to know about, you know, your dating preferences and, and what are you into and what are you looking for and those kind of things. So they no one knew it was going to be about proving their point that, you know, our racial preferences are inherently towards, like you said, white people at the top and then um, Asian or black, depending on the gender, but those were um, beneath that. Mm. And so what this... Um, what this group found the study well prior to this they did their own study and found that is shocking stats which i was really surprised to hear about so i fact checked it and it's actually accurate that nowadays with the development of um dating apps like tinder and stuff we have more racial dating preferences than we did 10 15 years ago and we're less likely to have interracial relationships than we used to yeah really yeah so i was so shocked to to even hear that and then because it was like i'm just gonna kind of you know swipe left on anyone that is you know looks muslim or or asian or black or indian or whatever or white um they were just automatically ruling them out Mm. but then when they brought these people in to do you know, face-to-face and they were brought in all these models. So all the girls had these beautiful male models come up and they had to rank them. And every single one of the girls ranked it just as you had said. It was the white men and then the black men and then the Asians in terms of yep. looks. And then and they were models. And they were models, beautiful men. And then the men had mm. female models come around and it was the white girls and then it was black and then the last okay. person was... Um, an Asian, but for all the other studies they did with this group, it was um, Asian women over the black women. Um, and so 
they were showing very clear racial preferences. And they started asking people like, what do you prefer in terms of like race and culture? And no one wanted to admit that they had racial preferences except for two guys who were like, I only date white women, no black women, no Asians, only white women. Right. And so at the end of this study, they sent these people into a room to mingle and they were all wearing these glasses that track your eye movements to see how long you linger on all the single women in the room or all the single men to see what you are going to be attracted to. And all of the people essentially were, all the people that had said they don't have racial preferences were focusing mainly on all the white people in the room. And just ignoring or glancing at yeah. the others. Yeah. And then the what was interesting was that the last group was the two guys who had said, I will only date white women. And they were the ones that paid the most attention to the black women and the Asian women. That's and in fact, they barely acknowledged the white women, despite saying they would have Whoa. never dated or be attracted to this. That's a very interesting yeah. say. What is really important to note in that is that they were all models yeah so we're not they were all good looking yeah okay so yeah look on our let's deal with the men here okay look the average height of Mm. asian and indian men yes is smaller on average our bone structure is smaller and things like that look whether you like it or not those things are attractive Mm. in general like you want most women would say they want a taller man and someone who's i guess larger and more has more masculine features not all most would. And on average, I'm not saying this applies to all, but on average, yeah, Indian and Asian men, I guess, don't have those same features. It's very mm-hmm. sad. It's very unfortunate. However, you know, then they may have other things, right? And I think part of that is because there's been generations of arranged marriages, um, which when you think about that over thousands of years, that's going to that's gonna play a role in the like average genetic pool. Mm. However, you go back even just a hundred years, the average height of men was five foot seven across the world. Wow. Yeah. So even in white countries, the average height was five foot seven, whereas it's gone up to I think it's like five ten ish in most uh, Western countries, mm. and in India and um, China, it's about like five four ish, I think. Wow. Um, but I can I assume as the countries, it's a nutrition thing as well. Yeah. Like it's not just genetics. Um. And then there's the stereotype, which is that, you know, Asian and Indian men, I guess, have small penises or whatever. Mm. Um, I haven't looked at the science on that, but the very limited amount I have looked, I think very unfortunately that does actually kind of hold true. Yeah, not massively. Like you wouldn't, it's, it's not that much of a difference on average. In fact, it's yeah, barely okay. anything, but we put it out like it's this huge it's difference. Yeah. 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 It's not the meat. People, I think, get confused with the median. Between right, the average. Right. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. Yeah. Um, and then I usually uh, the the sort of approach of Asian and more Indian Middle Eastern men, especially if they've been brought up in their home country, is going to be a little bit more conservative and it's not – they're not used to the casual dating world yeah. that exists in the, in the West. So that may impact um, – the opportunities they get, they may be not as assertive and mm-hmm. even aggressive uh, at the bar or even on social media or whatever. Although then there's the stereotype of Indian men just constantly sliding into the DM. So yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Um, That's it. And also on that though, 
is the other side that women aren't as attracted to these men that represent their culture because there's there's a um a show called insight and they've done an episode it's on youtube Mm. and it's like about racial preferences so they have people that have come in with very rigid preferences like one man only dates filipino women and he's a 60 year old white male and he wants the younger (laughs) filipino woman and then there's a black woman who only dates white men and a black woman who only dates black girls there's asian couples anyway so the asian women say i don't want to date asian men i only want to date white men yeah that's the joke yeah Yeah. and they were like why (laughs) like what's going on she said because if i date an asian man it's expected i cook i clean that's it bare minimum i date a white man and he's like i've never had a woman do this for me i've never had a woman pamper me and look after me so she feels so appreciated and validated (laughs) and that's why this and the white man the six-year-old with the filipino wife was saying i'm so shocked at like how much she looks after me and how much she does for me whereas for her that's just the standard but she's getting that satisfaction of like being showered in appreciation for that yeah i mean that you you are again generally dealing with men who have come from more conservative cultures where uh the expectation is for the woman to be the homemaker um and at least since the 60s in in the west i guess that has um that has degraded to a certain degree compared to other countries um Mm. and then the the Black guys, the stereotype there is they're, you know, well-endowed mm. and very athletic, very muscular. And again, like these, you can't just like hide away from these stereotypes. There's a certain truth to all of them. Yeah. Um. So that's taller. probably, yeah, yeah the taller, they're, they're just, for a, like a casual encounter especially, mm. um, I'd imagine they would be uh, more in demand, mm. if you will. Mm. Um, And that's why they're saying the opposite reason is how these researchers explain why black women were consistently at the bottom was because men perceive black women at times, whether or not it's a subconscious or conscious thought, to be one, they're more likely to be tall and curvaceous. Mm. And men are, or majority of men are more attracted to women who are more petite than them yeah doesn't have to be petite in general but more petite or shorter than themselves um and also black women are sometimes perceived to be more dominant and outspoken and opinionated which is a very very like intense stereotype on black women and men are like well i want someone that's going to be a bit more nice and and gentle and uh submissive yeah yeah, and that's where maybe the Asian and the yeah. white women thing comes into it. Especially the Asian. That's why Asians are so fetishized. The women is that submissive um, stereotype that they have. And on average, they're more petite. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. of course. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's funny on a surface level to, to like laugh at some of these. But yeah, it can it can really hurt people as well. Exactly. So, it's kind of yeah, it's know. um it's, uh, sad. But there's so many things that affect you know like uh, we've talked about this, I think it was the second podcast height is a is a mm. huge thing with men. Um and I'm sure with with women as well well uh conversely if a woman's like over 6 foot 
that would probably hinder her prospects. At, oh, absolutely. Even probably yeah. over like 5'10". Yeah. Starting to get and then the men that want her tall. are going to be the men that fetishize her. And that's what, you know, black women, This the one of the uh, women in this show, Insight, the black woman who only dates black men, yeah. said it's because anytime a white man or an Asian man or any other man wants her, it's like this fetish for being black. And she says, they'll come up to me. They, they assume I'm kinky and they assume I've got a big ass. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, yeah, the fetishization one's an interesting thing because like for for Indian and Asian men, they're almost like, well, fuck, Please. I wish I was fetishized, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, a lot of girls, well, some of the girls I've um, either hooked up with or dated, they've, they've said, yeah, I just really like brown guys. Yeah. And I don't know, I'm in two minds. I'm like, mm. But mostly I'm like, yeah, you know, I'll take it. You're like, fine. <laughs> yeah. You're oh, so attracted to I me. To. But look, we yeah. all kind of, I have preferences. Mm. Um, but again, if they're subconscious, I might maybe unaware of some subconscious ones, right? But I definitely have like dating preferences. I want a girl who I can like have a good intellectual conversation with. That's like a big thing. Mm. I do prefer dating girls that are... Um, at least like my height or, or mm. smaller or like, you know, a few centimetres taller, right? But um, having and, – and also I don't think a, a, a woman who is like six foot would want to date me either. So I mean, you never know. Be Unless she has one of those like fetishes. Yeah, they might be, yeah. Wanna, you know. <laughs> Let I me sit on you man. and squish you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I'd be down well, – I don't know. Probably. Who knows? Um, <laughs> so, yeah, we've, we've all got like some preferences. Mm. Um but yeah, the the racial one is really rubs people the wrong way. Yeah, you know there was one statistic that was really shocking that a guy who kind of used to do pickup videos of ten years ago now is in the world of like male self help and dating, and I I heard him say this and I thought surely that's wrong. But now I looked at the article and then I looked at the study. It's correct, accounting for all other factors. An Asian man and this accounted for Indian, so subcontinental mm. as well as East Asian, needs to earn in America $270,000 more in their salary to be on par with a white man with all else being equal. In terms of, like, attraction? Yeah, in terms oh of my just God. general attraction. And, and um, black guys, it wasn't as much at all. It was they, black guys needed to earn, like, 40000 more or something like that. But the gap then to the Asian and, and Indian was gigantic. Wow. So yeah. it's like, I'm going to find you attractive if you're super rich. Like, Ooh. there we go. I'll make that exception. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it was, it wasn't, it would have been, you know, mm. they would have accounted for so many other factors. Yeah. And like for the average mm. uh, Indian to be, you know, to have the same attractiveness. I'm sure mm. if they'd also been, had other factors nudged up on the scale of attractiveness, it would have match there but if you're just looking at the money variable and they needed that much more which um was uh <laughs> just actually wow. scary when you think about it God. um it probably does have something to do with media and beauty standards and yep. things like that mm -hmm. um i know especially for women uh why did they always talk about how white is always perceived as the i ideal and west is best yeah, yeah, and even in um, 
India, they always go for the fairer actresses and actors. Um, But then it does beg the question. It's an uncomfortable question to ask. But from India, they say that the fairness obsession comes from fair people were less likely to work in the sun, therefore were considered wealthier. So but I do wonder if there's any sort of biological attraction people have to fairer skin. It would actually seem like darker skin was more adaptive to a natural environment, Mm. though. So... It doesn't seem like there would be any, um, you know, Darwinian reason for people well, to be attracted to white skin, but no. I wonder if there's studies out there. Apparently, well, I was looking into this and the evolutionary psychologists believe that racial preferences is almost like a, a luxury because, you know, when, when uh, That's true. hunter and gathering times, you wouldn't have ever met people from other tribes. Mm. And if you did, there'd be your neighboring tribes that would look very similar to you anyway. Mm. So it's kind of like this new age thing that we can actually date interracially and travel and have different looking cultures in very close proximity to one another. So there wasn't really that much of like a, a being drawn to racism on uh, racisms oops uh, races on um a psychological level or biological other than apparently those who are very into interracial dating or or specifically don't want to date inside their own race was due to um you're attracted to people that have the opposite yeah, I've heard that. Yeah, immune systems and biology and things like that to you so that if I have hereditary diseases or illnesses, I'm most likely going to get them bred out through my children if I go to someone completely different to me. So mm. therefore, I might find someone of another culture more attractive for childbearing purposes and things like that. But that doesn't show up in the statistics because – Actually, I read something that said uh, women are more likely to only want to date within their race than men are. Exactly. So that was my next question because it was men were, even though men still had their preferences for brunette, white women with long flowing hair was like the pinnacle. And then Asian. Brunette, not blonde. Yeah, it was brunette. Um, And (laughs) you're like. (laughs) No, no, no. I'm weird, but I like redheads. Yeah, me too. <laughs> really? <laughs> For women. Poor yeah. redhead men, no, though. They I, never get the... I think redheads are really attractive. But that's not a white thing. It's like... Because they're like the oppressed of the white people. Yeah, but what is it with redhead women being so attractive and then redhead men, very small people, find attractive? Sorry to um, the point. redhead men. I find you guys attractive, but... Everyone you know... finds mixed race attractive. Yeah. Like, I, oh, I so... love that. And one, and then the study about that was mm. about when with the mixed race babies and why we like them so much is because one, if you're mixed race, you're more likely to be taller, and that's a stat, and you're more likely to be what? healthier by mixing races. I don't know how it worked out, but that was the thing. That oh. was that was the research that you're just more likely to be taller and not healthy, but perceived as healthier. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, generally mixed race. It might be just uh, by virtue of the fact that it's unique and it's a different look that we haven't seen before. Mm. Uh, But I also, even just certain cultures that have a bit of a mixed race look about them, like Mediterranean or sort of... Exotic. Latin, yeah, exotic, Middle Eastern, which is like dark skin and green eyes. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, but then, then there's this whole other side 
to saying, well, you know, by saying the word exotic, yeah, like I, I just did, that then <laughs> that is blah, 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 you know. And then to go even further, this is a huge jump, but um, just because I was reading about this the other day, when it comes to interracial couples and sex and kink, right, mm. and BDSM, is it racist to have a black girlfriend and then have like a, a master-slave dynamic BDSM thing and then call your black girlfriend slave? Like, you know, all these kind of elements are being brought wow, into that's it. very niche. <laughs> that's <laughs> very <not> niche. <laughs> very niche. You know. But very interesting because I thought like, shit, I don't know the answer to that. It's consenting adults. Yeah. I don't see why not. Like, let them do it if they want to do it. Yeah, but you got to be careful what you put what you put out there when you're in like I think in, in BDSM in particular when you go into like a certain a space or framework of mind you're so vulnerable and then to be told oh, okay, those yeah. messages that aren't so far off from you that you're like that's not like true like whatever but then for black people that's their lived history. Yeah, but so, so many women also have uh, fantasies of wanting rape. to be, you know, dominated, raped, and yeah. like told they're a slut and degraded, basically. Yeah. So, um, if if they want that, then I don't know. You can't like who's to stop them? I guess even if it is, you could say it is kind of racist. But if they're both agreeing to it, yeah, let them do it. I guess. Yeah, I think that you know. I think that's a very, as you said, niche and big step away. But closer to what we're talking about, though, and is interesting is racial, like fetish, like making a fetish out of um, a racial preference, like yellow fever or like only wanting black women because you like a big booty or like that kind of belief. Um, and then I was reading about, you know, the experiences of people, like Asian women and black women and how they perceived that kind of being fetishized and they were saying initially like coming into the college aged group like 20 early 20s they liked it because they had never been shown a preference before yeah. and it was like now I'm attractive all of a sudden whereas you know I was in high school and they all wanted to date the white girls and all of a sudden I'm like this sexy thing and no one's ever shown me that it was great but then it was because you know I'm attracted to you because I hold like this like cultural belief or stereotype around you um especially particularly mm. with the asian women that it's like they were being fetishized up until the point where if they weren't wearing you know the asian typical asian dress or like a kimono or not using e e chopsticks or not showing these stereotypes that the men would Wait, lose what? attraction in an american college yeah well, what? we're talking about Americans. Though, what, like so. going to co college in a kimono. Well, like just like the, like the little, you know, those dresses that came oh, into fashion okay. that were like the silk skin type ones with like the red cherry blossoms and like right. that's not like an Asian dress anymore. That's like everyone wears those kind of yeah. thing um, or hoping for a little accent or just like the um, the personality type of being submissive and, and kind and gentle and, and giggling and then people would get kind of confused and thought that all Asians were like that. But that stereotype usually applies more to like Japanese women and then Chinese women are very, very different yeah. stereotypes um, in terms of like submissiveness and things like that. So it get, it get real, real messy and complicated. Yeah. yeah, I suppose some of those fetishes are based on uh, stereotypes that aren't necessarily true. 
Yeah. Which can be, well, hopefully with a bit of exposure, they realize they're not true. But yeah, again, I'm in two minds with the fetish I, with the fetish thing because mm. um, sure, everyone wants to be seen as an individual and just be liked for who they are and not sort of have these qualities that are being um, associated with a, with a group. And and just to go on a tangent, that's quite ironic, isn't it? Because usually the conversation is uh, politically, it's like this is that group and they're all mm. part of that group mm. and they need this same treatment. But in dating, oh, we want to be seen as an individual and yeah. things. Um, but again, like say if it's not race, if it's... An amputee. Or, well, yeah, there's that. There's the disability and, and those, you know, uh, uh, if you've had a bad injury... Those are the sort of people that are really suffering in the dating world. But those are right? the people that the people that are interested in them are the ones that have I can't even remember the name, but there oh, is a would, fetish for yeah, like amputees would, yeah. and people in wheelchairs and things like that. And I would feel uncomfortable if I had like a nub as a wrist and someone was like, put it in my asshole or something. Like just this intense, like bringing all this sexual Damn. kind of thing to to something that your trauma or your disability and kind of like making it about them and this their, their sexual satisfaction is deriving from that rather than like and you'd be like thinking did they pick me because I had I was missing an arm or did they pick me because I'm a nice person like what was the initial yeah kind of thing behind that yeah um and Look, there's things like that with men as well, I'm sure. Yeah. Women generally, again, from what I've read in things, it's like we want men who are show more masculine features and mm. are confident and assertive and that could be associated with certain races more than other races. Yeah. Um, Women yeah. are more picky. Women and gays are the most picky and, and uh, men and, yeah. and lesbians were slightly more lenient with Mendo. race if, if, if you're there you like, <laughs> exactly you laugh at the jokes any and, holes a goal yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> but um i guess the, again then the next question is okay so we all know that these yeah. disparities exist mm. what do you what do you do about it and also is there anything you can really do about it i don't I, i'm trying to think about what can you actually other you can bring awareness to it but if someone has a really intrinsic sexual desire to be with a certain group or to be with certain people more than others yeah it's really you can't sort of control that it, it's yeah. a pretty difficult thing and um i think sexuality can be very malleable with mm. sort of fashion trends and yes what do we see and perceive in the media that's uh, it and that would no doubt contribute so there are things i guess you can do but i'm not really in favor of just you know, diversity quotas and things like that because I think they do more harm than good, but that's another podcast. Mm. Um, I think that there is um, a split and there is a debate that I've been reading about that. Like, can you actually change sexual preferences and should we be changing them based on, you know, societal standards and, and, and the goodness of society or whatever? Um, and the study that I was talking about before where they brought these people in and, mm. um, and then they found that they were – 
did have racial preferences, even though they weren't aware of it. The last bit they did was they did a, um, they tested these people where they blindfolded them. And then they did, first of all, they did like a sniff test where they got like the men to like work out and they smelt the shirts and things like that. And then they did a voice test where it was just a conversation where I wouldn't tell you my name or anything. You just hear my voice. And it turns out from those kind of studies that, they were attracted to people amongst all of the cultures, Mm. not just, you know, the white people um, and the stereotypes, you know, assigned to them or their smell or their voice or the information about them. It was because you didn't know because you couldn't see. Um, And then afterwards they, you don't know how accurate this is um, because they might've felt pressured to have some sort of change because they were being filmed, but they were all asked, have your, have your preferences for dating changed? And they all pretty much said yes. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to yeah. say yes in that environment. Yeah. The smell thing is really interesting mm. because I've read studies as well where uh, the higher the testosterone in a man, the more the scent yeah. is going to be perceived as attractive the to a female. Yeah. Especially if she is in uh, estrus. Yeah. yeah. Is that the term? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the scent also comes down to the the different uh genomes mm-hmm. or the immune systems yeah, that you were talking opposite. about before yeah, yeah the opposite uh immune systems so we're so detached from our sense of smell as humans we know mm. you know and and on top of that we're wearing cologne and deodorant and, and that's exactly things, why so. cologne was created well there you go yeah wow so it actually increased do you know that if you wear a cologne that is generally like pleasing smell people will perceive your face if they can smell you as five times more attractive no yeah isn't that wild? Five. Five. That's a lot. Yeah. Gosh. Sex leads everything, honestly. <laughs> yeah, it really <laughs> does. Um, mm. Yeah, it's a weird thing because, like I said, if you look at, if you take a broader picture of society, we're so careful and, and worried about any other racial disparity that exists. And we're willing to sort of basically be racially selective to help the people at the bottom of that disparity. So, you know, what's happening in colleges in America is they have quotas for each major racial group, for blacks, Latinos, Asians, and then I think that um, involves Indians as well, and then whites. And as a result, if if you're black, you need to attain less of a mark than if you're uh, a different race to get into a certain college. And if you're Asian, you actually need to get the highest mark because oh, Asians what? and Indians were always the ones that were disproportionately represented in certain colleges, right? So it, it doesn't it, – it hurts Asians and Indians more than it hurts any other race, that wow. those um, sort of college quotas. So then I always – I had this stand-up joke where it's like, well, we should have sex quotas for Indian men now, <laughs> where it's like every girl has to sleep with two Indian men per year, right? But if you're assigning the same logic – to, to the yeah. world of dating, that actually would be Makes a thing that you should be in favor of, right? But no one, realistically, no one's going to ever um That's so that. interesting. I wonder what that's like in Australia. I know that, you know, if you, you can get um, academic advantages if you're, if you're Aboriginal, but yeah, that's based on like true stats, I think. Yeah, but again, like it really does. I don't think they have, no, I don't think we have the quotas in, in universities, no. but... I just wonder, I, I'm borderline on, say, minimum quotas, like we need to have at least this many of this race. Yeah. But it really does hurt the, look, 
cultures like Indians and Asians that have haven't exactly come from riches and more often than not have come from um, poverty even mm. or like really third world countries and have just worked so incessantly hard mm. to get to where they are and then they're being disadvantaged, right? So I'm not in favor of really any of that sort of stuff. No. Um, but I know I probably am in minority position there. Um, mm. I think that there should be things that can make it easier for certain groups and, and give them like a little bit of a leg up, like more scholarships or whatever. But I don't think they should do things that hinder groups or make things more difficult for certain races or cultures well, by to giving access an, it. By giving an advantage or a scholarship to any one group, you are in effect because that advantage is then a disadvantage to everyone else, right? So the theory mm. is that because certain groups have been so disadvantaged, that advantage is just bringing them up to an equal standard. But if anything, scholarships and um, quotas, this is a separate topic, but they should be given on economic status, not on race, right? So if it's fine, you've come from poverty and you haven't had the same um, educational opportunities as someone who may be in the middle class or even just the working class, Mm. right? Fine then, I'm I'm okay with that. But when you make it, when you just do it on race, then... It, I don't think it's fair and I think it does mm. more harm than it does good. I guess I suppose I'm biased here because it's, you know, my, my race, if you even though I don't, yeah. know, I'm, I'm, I'm an individual. But um, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's a weird thing that it's almost as though the, I don't like these terms left and right, but the left mm. really loves minorities when they're oppressed and when they're disadvantaged and not doing well. But when... Certain minorities, say Indians and Asians, come to Western countries and do so well for themselves and buy their second generation old doctors. Mm. You know, no one's ever like, good job. Aww. Yeah. <laughs> that makes me You know, no one's ever sad. like, hey, you guys did really yeah. well. No, it's a, you're, you're, Typical. you're privileged as well. Yeah. I've heard brown privilege and things thrown around wow. and all sorts of things. But um, that's a separate issue. But... But what I will say is culture probably does play a role in uh, dating success even yeah. because coming back to the the fact that so many uh, uh, Indians in particular, even though they may not have directly been brought up in a family that says they have to have an arranged marriage, they've come from a culture that would uh, more often than not choose arranged marriages than love marriages and that would influence the behavioral norms mm. and the sort of things that are valued and, and instilled into children. Mm. And so you come back to this, uh, what I talk about a lot, which is say that the average white kid growing up in Australia, the parents are a bit more lenient, go to parties, you know, develop social skills, if you will. <laughs> and the Indian and Asian kids are like, no, go to tutoring, study, make sure you do mm. all of that. Because I think they've come from a society where just getting the great job um, and having the good economic status is good enough to get, then you get, a wife or you get a husband mm. because you've got the good job and then the parents picked out or whatever. Yeah. And then that culture hasn't updated for the Western world where you, know, you can have a pretty good corporate job and mm. but if you've got absolutely no social skills, you're not going to get anywhere in the dating world. So true. So uh, a culture also does play a role. Like with a lot of these disparities, mm. um, it's not all just racism or even racial preferences. Um, there's a... There's a there's a um, pertinent cultural impact. 
Oh, for sure. And even like, you know, I would say that I have cultural preferences because I know that I would be, you know, unwilling to convert to a religion or something like that. So I'll probably rule out, um, like I never dated, um, many or if any um like arabic muslim men because i know that for their families it's so important i mean men that identify strongly with their culture not just Mm -hmm. anyone that's arabic but for their families it's so important for that them to settle down with another muslim or arabic girl so I was like, well, what's the success rate going to be if the family will never accept us? What's the point kind of thing? So there's definitely even times where I know that I'm always saying I don't have a racial preference. I would date whoever, but really like, I would have a cultural preference. Yeah. Yeah, I'd have that too. There's so many things I prefer. Well, there's <laughs> like, going to we be yeah, there's right? gonna be we things wanna... that are going to make your relationship more <laughs> successful or when you know like – you know, so religion's always a big one as well. Like, you know, I, you see so often a man has fallen in love with a girl and she's Christian yeah. and they get married and then she, the whole relationship is 20 years of them fighting about why don't you believe in God? How could you not kind of look at this world? And then he's yeah. like, shit, <laughs> I never did. <laughs> you knew that. <laughs> yeah. You sucked me in. Yeah. 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 Uh, and, and not just religion, but with the sort of cultural norms as well. I touched on this earlier, but if you've grown up in a family that has more traditional gender norms, you're more likely to expect that from a partner, even in just um, initial dating stages. Yeah. And that, that would be um, not ideal for a woman who may not uh, adhere to those traditional gender roles. Yeah. So it's not just race. There's, there's, there's myriad cultural factors here as well. Um, and you know, but it, look, we all have preferences, right? We have mm. age preferences, mm. height preferences, financial status preferences, intelligence preferences, job mm. preferences, humor preference. Like the, yeah, the range of preferences um, goes on and on and on. Um, so you could do all sorts of studies that would show um, there's too many factors. Yeah, yeah. B- b- uh, unfortunate disparities that exist. Mm. So. I'm sure if you did something for, yeah, like disabled or mm. people with physical or mental illnesses, they would be massively less likely to get oh, yeah. dates and things like that. So yeah. you can you can sit there and feel sorry for yourself all the time, but um, I just don't think that helps. And I'm saying this from personal experience. Mm. It does not help. Helps in comedy. <laughs> you can come up with some great jokes, but it will not help you in the dating world if you constantly it and then what happens is you have a confirmation bias right a girl you go on a date with doesn't want to see you again and you automatically think it's because i'm brown yeah if i was white she would have gone on that date with me or whatever and look that could be the case but Mm. you don't know that for a fact you're just assuming that because that's your worldview that's your perception Mm. and it's it's unhealthy It, it builds up a lot of bitterness and resentment and it's just for any uh, men who may be, you know, feeling that that particular way about um, dating. Um, sometimes that happens. We just got okay. So Steve, just cut that bit there. So for any man who may be feeling that way about dating, look, chances are 
these statistics are real. They do exist. There are disparities. There may be some disadvantages. You, you probably have some advantages in some way as well, but focusing on it will not help you. It also won't bring you happiness. Yeah, that's right. Hmm. It's not going to – there's no point in focusing on things that you can't change. Um, it's just – it's never going to make you feel good. Yeah, and then I would encourage people who may be in some of these more uh, picked groups – yeah, look, expand your horizons. Have expand a go. Expand the horizons. <laughs> Have a I go agree. With, 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 a, with a brown guy, right? A lot of dating coaches recommend that as well. The first thing they do is say, date outside, just practice dating outside your norm. Because if, if every single guy yeah. you've dated is a 30-year-old white guy in marketing, let's try and mix it up a little bit because none of that's worked out before. So, yeah. And it makes sense. Yeah. Why, why do you think women are more likely to want to date within their race than men are? Um, I'm not sure of the reasons, but when I was watching that um, that show about where they brought the people in for the study, there were things that these women were saying to me were so abhorrent and shocked me. Like one woman looked at a photo of a black man and this is, you know, a, a, she was a, a, I don't want to be rude, but she was a, below average looking woman right and this man you say she's ugly it's fine was so beautiful this beautiful black man and she's looking at a photo of him and she said nah and the person was like why and she was like his nose is too flared and she was making a comment about you know a black mm, okay, person's yeah, yeah. nose i don't know if she realized how racist that was to say that but she's like his nose is so flared that, you know, he looks angry and I don't like that at all. It's a no. And I was just so shocked at how some of these preferences that women were saying were so, like, picky. And another one was saying no based on clothing. So she would, you know... If, if she was an Australian girl in Sydney and she's dating Newtown guys and they will have like that kind of hipster fashion sense and then she goes to Bondi where they're wearing like long drop singlets and she'll be like, no, kind of thing. Well, I'm, I'm, it's, I'm shocked that you're shocked that women being picky. <laughs> I know. I think no it was just, to me. It was the comment on the nose that just really got to me. Like it made me angry. And the woman that was asking her about this was a black woman. And you could see all over her face. She was like, fuck you. Like, <laughs> you I bitch. See this. Yeah. Oh. I'll send it to you. It's just so uncomfortable. Yeah. That, that one in particular. Yeah. Because yeah. we've, uh, we, we see that as particularly racist. That does. Uh, bring up a bit more fury, say, than the one yeah. about clothes and whatnot. But I'm sure there would be many body type preferences and, and those body types may be more prevalent in certain races that, well, right. let me take the dick thing, right? Like yeah. or certain races have small dicks and they may not outwardly say that, but that's the perception and mm. um, that would sort of subconsciously influence your uh, uh dating preferences or certain races maybe again coming back to certain races being more masculine and uh generally more muscular and yeah. considered more virile if you will uh yeah. they are going to have an advantage in the dating world again especially because now we're, we're in a world where um there's so much more casual dating and hookups and yeah. what people are looking for when it comes to a, 
a casual encounter or a hookup is very different to what mm. they're looking for for marriage or for a long-term relationship. And I'm sure yeah. you, you know, your preferences would change as would mine. Yeah. Um, and I'm guessing the general the vibe I get from a lot of girls is when they're younger, say like 18, 19, they are falling for a bit more of the sort of bad boy or like fuck boy kind yeah. of fashionable mm-hmm. or nowadays e-boy type dude. Whereas then when they get to more mid-20s, they're looking at more of the personality and the job security yeah. and the, you know, how much is this man going to invest in in me? And and I think a lot of those men that have then become fuck boys and bad boys are because they got rejected so much mm. and so maybe then they become and then that's why the 28 year old fuck boys go after 19 year old girls there you there go, you go. they're We've trying just to relive it. their youth right <laughs> yeah exactly and i think you know it's just dawned on me as well when you said like why are women in particular more picky i think it's because all of our dating 90 percent of the dating this day and age is done on apps yeah online. and there's also a vast majority of men that are on apps. So there's, I think that, I don't know what it was, but it, w- it wasn't quite double, but almost double the amount of men than there are women on these apps. So we have much more choice and we have much more variety. And, you know, if I reckon like 15 years ago, women would be like, oh, I really hope a man approaches me in the bar. Like I hope someone notices I look pretty and comes up to me. Nowadays it's like, okay, I've got 47 men messaging me on a Tuesday night, I'm going to be picky. It right. sucks. It's rough. And it's not the same across genders. Well, some men, I guess, have hundreds of girls as well in their, in their deems, but it's much more likely to happen to the girls than it is to the boys. Mm, yeah, I talked about this, I think, in mm. our first or second podcast. Yeah. Dating they in have done studies mm. and the, 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 it com- it's comparable to economies that have a concentration of wealth. So if they had a Gini coefficient, which is a measurement of how uh, the how much wealth is controlled at the sort of top echelons of society, um, they did a Gini coefficient for like sexual partners. And it's basically, man, there's a very small amount of men that are getting countless offers and yeah. all these women want them. But the vast majority of men, there's this thing called the 80-20 rule. It's not even 20%. It's like... We're talking five, even less percent of men that are in this very elite group. Whereas for women, it was far more evenly um, distributed, oh. the offers of sex and yeah. the offers for dating and, and things sense. like that. But it's especially casual sex, right? Mm. Because uh, I've said this study so many times, but they asked, uh, this is in this book, Hormonal, which I always mm. recommend, right? And they asked uh, women what they're looking for in a short-term partner versus a long-term partner. And the qualities they were looking for changed a lot, right? So looks was not a big thing in a long-term partner. Yeah, that's it. Not yeah. that important. And looks was the most important thing for, for a one-night stand. No, oh. for a woman. For a woman. Oh, it was the yeah. most important thing yeah. on average. Um, whereas for men, it was, it was the opposite, right? For a one-night stand, they, they don't... Like, looks are important. You want to be attracted to the person, but, like, it's a one-time thing, you know? If I get my rocks off, cool. Um, But, no, you you still want to have a bit of a rapport and have a good conversation. Don't get me wrong. Well, it depends how many drinks you've had, whatever. (laughs) But, like, (laughs) for um, a a relationship or, like, a a wife, 
men are generally more interested in the looks of, yeah. of the woman. Yeah, that's right. Because that's someone they're going to be with every day. Mm. Uh, so... It's funny how it's like this kind of flipped. It, it is really yeah. interesting, isn't it? And 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 those studies about how the the sort of when we've made the dating game so casual and so much more hookup based, the disparities are increasing. Mm. So those <laughs> there's just mm. less and less men. And this does play into this kind of like incel or red pill or even black pill. Did you know black pill is like extremist red pill? No. I just found this out the okay, other day. Okay, I'm going to have to look this up when I get home. Yeah, red pill is like, yeah, you know, go to the gym and, like, be a masculine man and, you know, don't, like, sit there and kowtow to her and don't be a feminine, don't be feminized or whatever. Um, but black pill is like, there's no hope, give up. Just <laughs> just become abstinent. Just, yeah. MGTOW. Like, unless you're one of these top 2% of men, there's just absolutely wow. no chance. What's really interesting, though, about this red pill movement is that I don't know if you see these same trends on TikTok that I see, but all of a sudden men or younger men are being so like they've been named as like sex objects and they're guys that have been become feminine, like wear makeup, like straight men wearing makeup or straight men wearing a skirt or even straight men now wearing a maid dress. Like it's become, and girls are frothing on it. They get like eight, nine, 10 million likes of just girls being like, this is the sexiest thing I've ever seen. So it's like for our age, that would have been like, We'll be like, oh, well, not wait, me, wait, but wait, sorry. So men are dressing up like they're women. saying, yeah, they're not cross dressing. Okay. They're just saying, fuck cultural norms, fuck you know masculinity. Okay. I want to wear it, an eyeliner today. I'm going to do it. We're in very different. They're not TikToks. wearing a bra. <laughs> We're in very different. T- I'm not getting that. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Don't analyze me based on that. Not getting that. I always Damn. like them because I'm trying to support them. I'm like, yeah, you no, do. No, I see. Red Pill's all against that. Yeah. It's like, look, yeah, they'll support you in the same way. They're like, oh, that puppy dog is cute, but are they actually going to be really attracted to that? Well, that's it. They are. But then I'm like, this the is what studies I Studies don't yeah. back that up, though. But this is the this age group is like 20-year-olds yeah, or 18 sure, sure, to sure. 20-year-olds okay. or 20, 18 to 21, I'd say. Yeah. And, it's become, and it's a new thing from the last like six months. And it's just become like... I guess it also depends on how attractive that man is that, that is putting on the Yeah, they're attractive. We'll, yeah, yeah, they're very attractive. <laughs> they could do anything. And I think it's like this kind of like, oh, I've got a masculine man who's wearing a, a, like a glitter on his eyes or something that makes it extra spicy for these girls. Yeah, I can see that. I can see it. I can understand that. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't know. Would I don't think by the time those girls get to say 24 25 26 and are looking for a long-term partner a guy at the bar who has eyeliner on or looks a bit more feminine i don't know if that's the guy that they'd want to i reckon it date. i reckon it's going to be changing swinging so far that way so fast and by the time they're 25 well, you'll be wearing a dress for because you feel like it sure well we'll see about that well, maybe <laughs> but um I mean, look, trends and things and, and what's fashionable is always changing and generally fashion yeah. is, a, you know, even male fashion, like you say, like singers and rock stars and whatever, they're wearing the more skinny jeans and have mm, the long hair and yeah. whatever. So, yeah, that is, uh, that can be perceived as attractive, right? But if it's just, 
Yeah, look, actually, to be honest, I don't, I don't know. Um, but again, like there's statistics and from what I've mm-hmm. read in some of these books and things, it's generally the more like masculine yeah. features that are perceived as masculine without being a, um, domineering. That's the big thing because uh, as soon as a man was perceived as a bully, it was the biggest turn yeah. off possible. But if he was, you know, confident and charming and charismatic and assertive mm. and those sorts of things, okay, I'm not, you know, I don't want to say like this is what women actually want. I'm just telling yeah. you what the studies and the statistics I've read show. Uh, those were the perceived as the more um, I do wonder though traits. if these men that are being like super like sexualized for wearing the dresses and makeup and celebrated, that perhaps they are still masculine but they're kind of just putting that on and it's like a, a p- women might be perceiving it as a masculinity being like fuck this i don't give a shit kind of thing like i think the best example would be like harry styles and he wears like women's blouses and sometimes he'll like like that photo of him that went viral where he's wearing a tutu and he's like got a sig and his tats and everyone yeah. was like oh my god like Anyway, I'll next time I come across one that's got like 10 million likes, I'll send it to you and right. read the comments and you will be like, whoa. All right. You'll well, feel so detached from our youth. Nah, right. <laughs> that's not the, uh, like I said, it's not the TikTok. So I get, I get a lot of um, people trying to point out double standards. So I get a lot of women talking about the double standards of men. And I got a lot of, get a lot of guys talking about the double standards yeah. of women. And I, don't, I definitely don't get that. Like, <laughs> not yet. But again, that like Harry Styles thing, you know, in the 60s, um, yeah. And the 70s, all the rock stars and sort of icons then, a lot of the sex symbols, yeah, they were actually quite, you could say, were quite feminine, mm. if you will. Um, yeah. But I don't know if it's a good dating strategy to, say, go to a date with a, a female blouse on or whatever. Look, maybe. You do what you want yeah. to do. But That actually happened to my friend's mum recently where she met, well, she's like 60, but she met a man in a bar just saw photos of him wearing a business suit and when he got to the bar he was wearing a full-on like gown length um dress and then turns out he had a fetish for cross-dressing in public and knowing that she would be like humiliated embarrassed by it but anyway they're still dating (laughs) (laughs) like a year later yeah wow oh well good there you go um yeah that's a is she white yeah (laughs) i don't think any other race of woman would she is yes Yeah, look, I guess things are probably always going to change and there's ebbs and flows. And if you go back to ancient Greece or whatever, everyone was kind of like bisexual yeah. and whatever. So I think we're making a move back that way. That's what I predict. Probably not within our age, but when our kids growing up. I will say I think certain sectors of society are going yeah. very far one way and the other sectors of society are going yes. really conservative and yeah. it's not healthy. Mm. There's, a, there's a massive polarization. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I, I'm guessing a lot of those guys that are doing that are probably more, you know, artistic and uh, already attractive to yes. girls or whatever. Yeah. So I, yeah, I would be interested to see if a, like, you know, stereotypically unattractive man mm. puts on a dress or eyeliner or whatever. Then instantly and it's going to be still, weird. Be yeah, like, what the fuck? <laughs> exactly. If girls are still going to be like, oh, that's so hot. Like, yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, uh, it's really, it's, I sound, I know I sound almost sexist because I'm basically disagreeing with all these comments and all the things girls say, but look, I can only talk from, again, the studies I've seen and my personal experience, right? Which 
I think we talked about this in a previous podcast where like you ask her, oh, what, do you, what do you want in a guy? And it's often, you know, I want him to be smart and funny and like nice and kind. And then again, the studies and, and, and from my experience as well, just look nice and kind and smart. These are all very subjective terms, right? But like when I have adopted more masculine traits, again, without being mm. a bully or whatever and being confident and assertive when I need to and, um, you know, I guess even just going to the gym a lot more and things like that, uh, there's been a correlation with how mm. I've done in, in the dating world. True. So I can only – I'm not saying – They should do, like, studies like, you know, left-leaning, privileged white girls 25 and under to see. <laughs> yeah, oh, let's put so 26 and under so I fit in that category. Uh, yeah, but, yeah. Well, I had a birthday recently. Have a birthday. Thanks. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, there should, that would be interesting. Yeah. Um, I have a feeling that more working class – women would probably go for more masculine yeah. features. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. It's uh, th- those, those would be, I would love to see those studies. It'd be very, that. very interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, I, I, I have to add these caveats. I get how it sounds because it's like me being like, no, no, no. Let me tell you what women actually like. <laughs> but I'm only, I can only talk from my personal experience and, yeah, some of these, you know, scientific studies that I've read. So. Can you, because you have such an Instagram following, can you, like, put, like, two photos up, like one of a typical masculine man and one um, of a masculine <laughs> man wearing a dress and be like, what's sexier? They'll all say the masculine man wearing the dress. Like, I know, again, it sounds really <laughs> sexist. I'm being like, yeah, I know what you're going to say, but. Do it. No, I'll do it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But then again, then I, I, I would. A proper experiment would be like, all right, date the man who's more likely to like wear a dress and be a bit more feminine and date the guy who I'm not saying is going to be like a total jerk or whatever, but has more mass, you know, is um, bigger and uh, more manly mm-hmm. in in the stereotypical sense. And then with all else being equal and then ask them at the end of, you know, six months of dating each of them, which one did you prefer? Yeah. That, I think, would be a better experiment than well, just the photo. Do that then. <laughs> I wish I could. <laughs> be a Please. Find a girl Take that on for the team. Do that. Yeah. And then it will be good. Yeah. Um, but I guess uh, this was about racial preferences. So um, do you have any – it's a tough one because, like, I know everyone was always saying, do we want on racial preferences, do we want on racial preferences? And I'm like, look, they exist. Like, no one's denying mm. that they exist and – for on the male side, they're they're really disadvantageous if you're uh, Indian or Asian. And on the female or, side, and if you're yeah, if you're black, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, I just don't know what the again. Like I keep saying that, but no one is gonna pity date you or pity fuck you. Well, some people might pity fuck you, but <laughs> you don't want you. Did, you know, no one wants to be pity fucked, right? Well. I'm sure some people. Ah, uh, yeah. Look, if it's that or nothing, then yeah, you'd take that. But um, ideally, you, you want someone who's actually really attracted to you and wants to fuck you. And- I feel like you know what you and I and the listeners. There's nothing that we can do to address this really, or or even make too much of a comment other than like you said, acknowledging it. But what we can do is become more self aware of our own preferences. Yeah. And it, and acknowledge if we have them rather than denying it and being like no. And do like acknowledge yeah. it yeah and I, we all have if something's not working out for you and you're dating the same type of person every single time mix things up a little spice in the mix 
Yeah. Quite yeah. literally, a little bit of spice. A little Indian spice. A little bit of spice. <laughs> a little Indian spice. Yeah. I actually think it's worse for Chinese just a little bit than Indian. Yeah. Yeah, because they're perceived as the least masculine because yeah. they've got no hair, body hair and mm. um, the stereotype is, yeah, they're all nerds or whatever. Mm. Well, yeah, they're probably doctors and have, like, great jobs and will, you know, offer a very stable relationship. Mm. But I guess, yeah, then, the, look, if you've been brought up in that culture where it's, you know, study, 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 get the good job, you're not taught to question coming back to the last podcast is a bit like a cult Mm. you're not taught to sort of question that you're taught if you do this you'll be happy this is the way to live your life but when you can sort of live more independently and liberally if i can use that word uh you then it's such a cliche but you discover things about yourself and you live your own life you forge your own path if you will and that path may not just be uh studying and becoming a doctor or it could be that but um, when you have a bit of an edge to you, you know, there's something different about you. There's something interesting about you rather than, oh, you're just the typical guy or girl who works mm. at this job or make yourself interesting, make yourself unique, have an edge, you know, a bit of a yeah. exciting or a mysterious a edge. Flair. Yeah. And that I think is something that other cultures tend to foster a little bit more than, um, some of the cultures that we're talking about. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah um, a lot of them, you know, I'd see so many uh, brown guys, they all look and act exactly the same. Oh, this is quite a racist thing to say, but, like, man, they've got that same, especially the ones that were brought, brought up here, right? They've got the, like, uh, sides and back, fresh fade, mm-hmm. short hair, beard. I've got the beard, but, like, <laughs> you know, whatever. Um, and then... The muscle shirt, which I'd probably wear too, let's yeah. go. But like, it goes goes to the gym a lot. Again, that's probably me. Yeah. But, <laughs> but His name's probably Neil. Neil, yeah, and... does podcasts. Um, <laughs> yeah, but then you ask them about like anything a little bit differently and then they can't – that's mm. their world. That's their world. It's culture. culture. It's like, uh, okay, I can talk about being brown or I can talk about the gym mm. and I can talk about chicks and that's it. Mm. Well, yeah, you're not – you're boring then. You're just one of the same, right? Mm. Have some different interests. And, yeah, especially if you are in that uh, culture where you've been taught uh, that education is paramount. Well, educate yourself on different um, subjects outside of what you'd normally uh, think about. You know, hell, art and fashion or something a bit like, – imagine mm. that. That would be so interesting, seeing a guy that is that sort of stereotype, the fresh fade, right, the beard – muscly, goes to the gym a lot, wears the kind of like YD clothing. And then he's like, yeah, this is my opinion on the recent ballet that just yes. came out. Like, whoa, hello. Now you've got yeah. something interesting about you, right? Mm. So um, don't be a stereotype. And I think that's not that hard to do. Yeah. Um, that's some advice. And and the other advice which, I've reiterate, which I'll reiterate again is uh, don't perceive – uh, the 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 cause or you know the the task of becoming a good dating prospect is insurmountable you know it's not mm. as hard as you think it is just because you're brown or you're asian it it there are so many things you can do and that you are in control of and everyone has certain things that is going to be an advantage and going to be a disadvantage some are born with things that are you know they're just mainly advantages but you can mm. focus on that or can look at the people who would probably be below you as well and um 
yeah, work on yourself and that's um, it. be happy that we live in a world that gives us these opportunities to date different people and use these apps. And yeah, some of the um, encounters are awkward and uh, even sort of weird and um, it is a bit confusing with hookup culture. You can mm. face a lot of rejection and be unsure of yourself, but it's also very liberating. We've got to look at it that way. Mm. This is what people fought for in the 60s, right? It was the ability to not have to get married at freaking 19 and yeah. just, you know, live that boring life, right? You can do whatever you You can still do that if you want. That's the that's the thing. If, you, if you're not happy with quote-unquote hookup culture, then don't do it. No one's forcing well you to do said, it. Neil. Anyway. I'm going to go home and work on not being a stereotype, not being privileged white girl in the North Shore who's vegan and has crystals. You've got to have something that's completely, eh, <sighs> what's something that could just be totally out of the realm of expectation? Well, it would have to be like some sort of conservative belief. No, you'd sorry, have, can't do it. You'd have to come out and be no, like, no, right. I think we probably should restrict immigration. Then people would be like, oh, that, you wouldn't expect that. <laughs> no one would expect that. <laughs> no, no. Um, but, yeah, it was, a, it was a good question, a good, um, good audience question to send in yeah, good topic. for this one. Yeah. And if you yeah. have more, what do they do? Just message you, join the... Um, well, no, now we've got the subscription. Subscribe. If you've got a topic that you want us to talk about, a specific one, you can subscribe, neilkahaka.com slash podcast. Yeah, I did this because so many people were requesting this one. Mm. Um, and, yeah, if you have a question, you can subscribe as well and we'll answer your question in pretty decent depth. So just go to neilkahaka.com slash podcasts. There's also um, a $1, 2 and $3 subscription options which, you know, all of this does help us. We don't make a lot of money. We don't make any. We make a little bit from the YouTube revenue, right? But, you know, we've got editors to pay and our labor, if you will. So all of these, these aren't, you know, actually coming. No money's actually coming to us. It's just mm. to sort of pay the production costs. Um, so, yeah, if you can subscribe, it's very helpful. But these will always be out there for free. So if uh, you're doing it tough, no worries at all. But thanks for listening. Uh, subscribe and follow the podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts if you haven't already. And thank you, Eliza. Thank you. See you next time. See you next week.